2. Uh, if you are thumb punching notes into your phone or whatever you use to take notes, we are uh, working from a title this morning of Marvelous. Marvelous. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 20, uh, 23 and verse 32 and consider this morning, and I want us to be asking ourselves this morning what we learn about God from Jesus. Because I believe that everything about Jesus tells us something about the living God. Everything that you see uh, was created by a creator who loves you. God saved you because he loves you. Yeah? And everything that we learn about Jesus teaches us something about God. Now, marvelous. Well, some of you are looking forward to another Marvel Comics movie. Uh, some are even calling it a universe. And um, so I've been reminded about what is it about superheroes that attracts us to them, right? What What is it? it? It's that they are unique from us. They are different from us, right? They've got special abilities. They have attributes that we like. And in some cases, it's even their weaknesses. It's even, we like that, well, they can't do this, but they do that, right? It's, um, we like their story. There, some people call it an origin story or their backstory. There's certain characteristics about them. And definitely it's their abilities. Like, which one would you want? Would you want to fly? And that's been a recent topic of, of conversation, right? So, what is it about their attributes that is unique? In, in looking at the origin of even Marvel Comics and in general, it brings us to this definition of this word. And last Sunday we sang a song about how Jesus is marvelous. And marvelous means causing wonder. Astonishing, miraculous, supernatural, of the highest kind or quality. Notably superior. And in Jesus we actually can find things that are attractive similar to these superheroes. In Jesus we see his abilities, his attributes, his actions, and what you see from the comics is also the people that are in relationship with this hero. What are the benefits of that relationship? And today as we turn to the scripture to learn about God through Jesus, I want us to think about these things. What were Jesus' abilities? attributes, actions, and what are the benefits? This is the Sunday on the ancient Christian calendar where we remember that there is an empty tomb. Most scholars and historians think that the picture that you see on the screen is the actual tomb that Jesus was buried. And it was notable, it was historically recorded because the Romans recorded a lot of stuff with great detail. And it was a wealthy person by, uh, that offered up his tomb for Jesus to be buried in. So it's, it's not too difficult. And, and my, my parents, my family have been to this site and to consider the fact that this is real. This is real. This really happened. This is not just some propaganda book that someone is trying to profit off you from by writing a story of fiction. No, instead, outside of this text that we're going to read, there are many historical documents that recorded with great detail the fact that Jesus was 
publicly executed by professionals declared to be dead, buried, and came back to life. And no one who was alive at this time sought to discredit the fact that Jesus came back to life. It was an established fact. Luke chapter 23 and verse 32. Remember, we're asking ourselves these questions about Jesus. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him when they came to a place called the skull. They nailed him to the cross. It's called the skull because there was a couple of eye sockets in the side of the hill, which actually you can still see today. It's in the city. It's a little hill. It's it's just actually behind a bus station. And right at the feet of the hill, there's a couple of dumpsters. My parents have been there. That's why it was called the skull. It was a place of execution. They nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself, if he really is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him. Two, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened to the cross above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you are being sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By this time it was noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Historical fact, dark as night in the middle of the day. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, as the Sabbath was about to begin. As as his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so they rested as required by the law. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, 
Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed down their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified? That he would rise again on the third day? Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough his body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road, explaining the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He has appeared to Peter. The two men from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him as they were breaking bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? 
Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. And thankful for Dr. Luke for the faithful account of what happened on those days. Just as it was with the predicted virgin birth of Jesus, aspects of this that are truth and not done in the way that you would do if you were inventing a legend. You see, at this time, women were not considered legal witnesses in a court of law. The fact that women were the first to go to the tomb and see that the promise had been fulfilled is one of many things in this story that are true because of who God is. And an obvious part of the story that it is not made up. Jesus is alive. This was a marvelous, life-changing experience for them. You ever have one of those? The book I'm giving away today actually has a fishing story that I'm in, even though I'm not named, uh, where a friend and I caught a 25-pound bull Chinook salmon. That was a life-changing experience, which traces itself to a preschool Ben story with fishing. My Dad spent his high school years in a logging town in Oregon and took me back many times to go fishing. And the first time I was preschool age at the oldest little kid and he's getting the the gear ready and or hiking down to this spot in the stream with a cousin of mine. And um, I kind of get away from the group as I often do. And I look down and there are two fish. It's a miracle. And that day, I was the first one to catch two fish. Because something that some people do is when they catch fish and they want to keep them and they want them to be fresh for eating later in the day, they take a stick with a couple of little branches on it and they thread it through the mouth of the fish and the gills so that the fish stays alive in the stream but can't take off. 
here I am, maybe this tall, and I look down and there's two fish, and I lift up the stick, and I was the first one to catch fish that day. My dad was off in the distance. My cousin is calling my dad, Ken, Ken. I'm like, fishy, fishy, fishy. And my dad's like, yeah, okay, whatever. They're like, my cousin's like, no, really? He's got two, two fish. You know, and at this point, I've got one of those little fishing poles like that that already has the little plastic fish attached on it because that's the only expectation for the day. It was a life-changing experience for me. It was miraculous. Because there was no hope that little me was going to catch fish on that day. They found an empty tomb. They found life where there had been death. And over that 40 day period, Jesus appears personally, physically to 500 people. And they believed in His identity as Messiah. Last week we looked at six verses that describe what did the death of Jesus, his sacrificial death, accomplish for us. And I hope that this week you enjoyed reflecting on those. And you can find those at cityharborchurch.com slash messages. You can read over those and reflect on those. But today we want to focus a little bit more on the resurrection. And let's talk a little bit about, okay, so we've read the story, we've talked about it as an established historical fact, but let's also talk about the purpose of the resurrection, yeah? Romans chapter 4 verse 25, he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. If Jesus had remained deceased, the redemptive plan of God would not have been complete. Jesus rising from the dead is an essential aspect of the story. It communicates that in the Lord Jesus there is power over what we do not have power over. Outside of our relationship with God, we do not have power over death. But through our relationship with God, through a relationship with the living Lord Jesus, there is power over death. His resurrection makes a way for us. It makes us right with God, brings us into right standing, into right relationship. 1 Corinthians 15 Just lifting for the sake of time one passage from verses 3 through 8. Christ died for our sins. Buried and raised from the dead. That whole chapter is essential to our understanding that if we don't believe in a resurrected Jesus, our faith is useless. Our life is hopeless. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, John who saw this with his own eyes, heard Jesus' voice the first time after he'd been resurrected with his own ears. John writes this, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Resurrection is essential to new spiritual life in you and to spiritual cleansing. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. John chapter 6 and verse 47, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Jesus has led the way in resurrection, in new life, in a victory over death, and it is available to us. 
Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. The message that Jesus taught throughout His time on earth. Repent of your sins and believe the good news Jesus taught called us to turn away from living a life focused on pleasing ourselves and to turn towards the living God. Ephesians chapter 2, one sentence from verses 4 through 6. He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It's a gift of life. The resurrection of Jesus brings to us a gift of new life. Life that will never end. One verse from John chapter 1 verses 10 through 13. So important for us. To all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. So, what do we do with this Jesus? How should we respond? Well, here's my suggestion based on the words of Jesus to us. And I want to explain that the death and resurrection of Jesus were necessary to free us from our sin. To free us from certain punishment and separation from God. Through it, we are clean, free, and able to enjoy God in our life here and in an eternal heaven. I like the way the purple book phrases it. What makes God's gift of grace so costly is that Jesus paid for it with His life. What makes it so powerful is that He came back from the dead proving that He is the Son of God and showing that God accepted His sacrifice as payment for our sins. That's why I recommend that you believe. And when we see in Scripture the call to believe, it is specifically to believe in the identity of Jesus as Messiah. And all that that means, and all that that comes with, and the context. You see, the whole of Scripture, all the stories, the boring parts, the confusing parts, the difficult parts, it's God's story of bringing God the creator of life and God the redeemer of life. God ever at work to bring us to redemption, to forgiveness, to peace, to new life. And the identity of Jesus as Messiah is the hinging point in the human history story. Which is why today, even people that scoff at a belief in Jesus use His name in vain. He is the turning point in human history. And there will be a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Everyone will be given this opportunity. Peter wrote, God is not willing that any should perish, but wants all to come to repentance, to this new life. It is an invitation for all. An invitation to believe. He is who He said He is. So we should believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We should receive Him as our Messiah. Second, we believe, we receive, uh, receive Him as our Messiah and our Savior and our Lord. There are many passages of Scripture that walk through why this is essential. It is easy for us to go through human life and be bummed out by our relationship with authority. And so, Therefore, and be damaged by other people and therefore not want to trust, find it difficult, find it impossible to trust, to believe. But the fact of the matter is, is that whether or not we are willing to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, whether or not we are willing to receive Him as Lord, 
is the hinging point in our story. We should believe in His identity as Messiah. We should receive Him as Lord. And third, we need to respond to the call of Jesus that we repent. That we turn around. That we turn away from living a life pursuing our own way. Living to please ourselves first and foremost. But instead we turn to love God with the best of our energy. With all that we've got. To repent. To just bring it out into the light. I've not found anyone who is hiding the guilt of their past and the things that they are ashamed of and better for it. Bring it out into the light. God loves you. Jesus paid the price. There is nothing He can't do. He can't heal. He can't restore. There is new life available in Him. So we believe, we receive, we repent, and we respond. We call this City Harbor Church a safe place to find and follow Jesus. It's not a place where we pretend that we don't have questions and we don't have doubts. But instead, we come together as a spiritual family to help each other pursue answers to those questions. God doesn't call us to blind faith but to learning, to active pursuit of Him. So we respond by following Jesus, by loving God with all we've got and loving our neighbors in the same way we take care of ourselves. It is a life calling. It is simple. And it is impossible when you do it out of your own strength. It is possible with God when you're drawing strength from, when you're drawing hope from, your relationship with God. So we respond. And from there, it is yet complete, incomplete, if we keep it to ourselves. We are called to share. To share this. If your life has been changed for the positive, you should share it. A lot of people right now are sharing ideas for brunch locations. The living Jesus who is alive is transformative. Like the first time I caught a fish. And worth sharing. Your story is worth sharing. How many of you would agree? So these are our simple responses that we should have. Will you stand with me? And let us pray. Today, it's an open invitation to anybody, if you're here and you need to receive Jesus as Savior, this can be your moment. This can be your day. You're here and it's time to confess what's been wrong, to be honest about it, to be real about it, to come back to Jesus. This is your moment. This is your day. There's nothing too hard for God. God loves you. He cares about you. Jesus went to the cross for you. He lives today for you.
There are people around us here ready to pray for you, ready to love you, ready to receive you. I'm going to lead us in just a couple of prayers. I want to summarize the different scriptures, the different things that Jesus said about our relationship with God with a prayer. And if you're here and you want to accept Jesus or you want to come back to Jesus, you can feel free to repeat this prayer after me and then talk about it. Let's ask questions. Let's unpack it. And just to make everyone comfortable, why don't we just all, if you're comfortable, feel free to just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I confess my sins. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I turn away from the past and I turn to you. Thank you. Amen. God, we come to you today and we thank you. We celebrate your resurrection power. We come to you today and we celebrate. We thank you for our salvation. That our guilt has been removed. That we have been cleansed. That there is new life available in you. We thank you that in Jesus we learn that you are alive. That you are aware. That you are able. That you are active. We thank you for who you are today. We thank you that you brought us together in relationship. That we are not alone. But we have new life in you. We thank you for it today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.